Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the book of Hebrews with this message entitled, The Christian's Sacrifice. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Christian's Sacrifice. I will speak to you two things, the Christian doctrine and the Christian sacrifice. Our sacrifice is directly related to our doctrine. In chapter 13, verse 7, we were asked to remember our leaders who spoke the word of God to us. We are to consider their life. And we are asked to imitate their faith. Verse 9 of chapter 13 gives us the reason for this exhortation. Certain of these Hebrew believers were tempted to forsake the true gospel. And go back to the security of Judaism. They were tired of suffering for the gospel. They were tired of suffering shame and reproach of the gospel. They were tired of being called Jesus freaks. The Hebrew believers were charged with atheism and impiety because they had no temple, no priest, no altar, no sacrifices, no feasts, no candles, no incense, and no sacrificial meals, no lights, no bells, How can anyone be godly without these? So people thought Christians were godless, were atheists. So their Christian faith based on Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today and forever, is now threatened by various new religious teachings what is called strange teachings strange to the gospel teachings that have nothing to do with Jesus Christ the doctrine of Jesus Christ is threatened by variegated many colored diverse and strange human And demonic teachings. There is of course diversity. And pluralism. And multiculturalism. The assumption is each teaching. Is equally valid. But the truth is only the gospel of Jesus Christ is true. Only Christianity is truth. Only Jesus Christ can save. He is the truth, the way, and the life. 
and no one comes to the Father without Jesus. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved, said the Apostle Peter. Eternal life is in the Son. And he who does not have the Son does not have life. True worship of God, true sacrifice is based on true doctrine of God. False doctrines produce false worship, false sacrifices. Yea, false doctrines produce really demon worship. All worship other than worship of God the Father through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit is demon worship. You abandon the gospel. You lose Jesus and with him all things. With Jesus you possess all things. So we must remember the true ministers and their true gospel. We must consider their life and we must imitate their true faith. Therefore, we in this church preach the Bible. Not multicolored, variegated, diverse and strange doctrines of man. Such novel teachings of the devil is called cults. And in this country, cults proliferate. A large number of stupid and mindless Christians are attracted to these novel and demonic teachings that damn the souls of wicked men. We confess Jesus Christ as Lord. By the Holy Spirit. They do not. They are energized. By Satan to abandon the true gospel. How shall anyone escape. The severe judgment of God. If they neglect. Such a great salvation. Revealed to us. In Jesus Christ. So. First. The Christian doctrine. Verse 9 says. Be not carried away. By varied and strange. Teachings. Plural. Contrasted with. Teaching or doctrine. Of Jesus Christ. We don't have teachings. We have teaching. Doctrine. The author described in this epistle the true doctrine of Jesus, the high priest, the sinless one who by his death on the cross qualified his people to approach God to worship, to sacrifice. For Christ's death secured atonement for their sins once for all. Christ's death sanctified and perfected those who believe in Jesus. Christ made obsolete the old covenant. Which was only a shadow. Pointing to the reality of Jesus. 
and his perfect sacrifice for our sin. Jesus has introduced the new covenant based on his own perfect sacrifice. New covenant is the basis of the forgiveness of all our sins. The old sacrifice and covenant are gone forever. Shadow is gone. Reality has come in Jesus Christ. No more the days of promise. The fulfillment has come in Jesus Christ. Life has come in Jesus Christ. Justification has come in Jesus Christ. Forgiveness of our sins has come in Jesus Christ. Hope for the hopeless has come in Jesus Christ. No more bloody sacrifices of beasts offered by sinful high priests. The blood of bulls could not clear our guilty consciences. So we read it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away our sins. But Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. Through the death of Christ, a new and living way is opened up for us through the cotton into the very presence of God, our Heavenly Father. This Jesus Christ died and rose again to die no more. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He ever lives to make intercession for us. By his one sacrifice, Jesus has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. This Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can be trusted. Brothers and sisters. His, he promises. And he fulfills. He is truth. He can never lie. It is the devil who lies. And he is the father of all lies. But wherever true gospel. Is preached. The devil attacks. By novel. And diverse. And variegated. Doctrines, strange doctrines, to turn away people to destruction. This was true in the first century, as it is true today. And we are surrounded by churches and cults that preach false doctrine. And they are ashamed of preaching the true gospel, as it is revealed in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 speaks about this. That people, they came during the time of St. Paul, preaching a different gospel, a different Jesus, and a different spirit, the spirit of Satan. The preachers of this false gospel were called servants of Satan, masquerading as angels of light. Turn with me to the book of Galatians, chapter 1, beginning with verse 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel, 
which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if I or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him go to hell. Or turn to the book of Acts chapter 20 where St. Paul is speaking to the elders of Ephesus and he tells them, beginning with verse 28, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Why is this? I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. These false teachers have only one intention, one purpose, to destroy the flock to kill the flock, to devour the flock. Even from your own number will men arise and distort the truth in order to draw their disciples after them. And I have seen it. I have seen it. False people coming from outside and false people rising from inside. They are not shepherds. They want to destroy you. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. St. Paul tells us in the spirit what would happen in later times. The spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. And you turn the television on and you see these liars. You see these liars. Liars of all denominational stripes deceiving people who are not people of God. No true child of God will be deceived. Doctrine and doctrines. Doctrines of demons. Why are people blown away? You ask the question, why are people blown away by Variegated, diverse, and strange teachings contradicting the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because they are rootless. They are not rooted in the gospel. They are not exercising their minds. Evangelicals and charismatics, let me tell you, are people who refuse to exercise their minds. They are centered in feelings. They seek to entertain. They refuse to preach the gospel. And the truth as it is in Jesus. And so the hearers. They don't want to think. They want to be feeling good. They come to be entertained. 
They don't understand. They are being dragged away from truth to error to death everlasting. They do not exercise their minds to understand the true gospel. They are sensualists. They are into novelties. They are like Athenians always wanting to hear something strange and something new. They do not devote themselves to the apostles' doctrine, the very foundation of the church. They are into entertainment. They want to feel good. Satan comes and steals the seed of the word from their minds. And that's why they grow like tumbleweeds. A little breeze will break them off. And they tumble along from teaching to teaching, from church to church to cults. Turn with me to the book of Jude, verse 12. These men are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain. Notice now, blown along with the wind. They are chaff, they are lightweight, they are nothings. It is Christ that gives you gravity and glory and weight. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And beginning with verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants. Infants are irresponsible. Infants are taken care of. Then we will no longer be infants. Notice, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there. By every wind of teaching. And by the cunning and craftiness of men. In their deceitful scheming. They have only one purpose to take your money from your pocket. To his pocket. So he can buy bigger rings. Bigger mansions. I heard about somebody who just divorced or divorcing the pastor of the church. Two houses, one with two million, the other three million. Having great fun, but refuses to preach the gospel. They are false apostles. A lot of people today want variety, sir, variety. They don't like the same old gospel. We have variety in everything. Why not? In the gospel also. This is not anything new. This happened in the wilderness. They longed for leeks and onions and melons and fish. They said, I'm sick and tired of this manna from heaven. People think variety is good. Let me tell you, sir, variety kills you. It is the word of God alone. It is the word of life. The word alone is spirit that raises the dead. What about you? You want me to preach something that will entertain you. Some leeks, some melons, some fish, some onions. May God give us 
a great taste for the word of God, for the apostolic doctrine. Great love for Jesus. Such people are lured away into novel teachings that destroy their souls. They want to go back to externalism, ceremonialism, sacerdotalism, and various dietary laws. And I hear that a lot of people are now going back from the evangelical world into Roman Catholicism and Orthodox churches. They think they, they will give them dignity. They have icons, sir. They have vestments, lights, smells, frescoes, cathedrals. I came out of it and my family. We belong to priestly families. We came out of it to hear the gospel of Christ preached. The gospel that saves. I'm not seeking dignity. I have all the dignity I can have. Jesus, we are told, God sent him so that he may bring many sons to glory. And he called us, he justified us, and he glorifies us. He gives us glory. And I'm not interested in the glory of smells and bells and smokes and frescoes and cathedrals and vestments and collar and everything else. I was baptized in the Orthodox Church. Thank God I came out of it. And my family came out of it. And I lived with shame and reproach for Jesus' sake. And I preach that same gospel. If you are mindless, you will go back to that which cannot edify you. Turn to chapter 10 and verse 29. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? The Hebrews were tempted to go back to the worship of the temple. Altar, sacrifices, and special sacrificial meals. They wanted to go back to the security of Judaism. Away from the stigma and persecution of Christianity. But by going back, they were in fact abandoning true salvation. And true security that is in Jesus Foods cannot save anyone. Neither smells and bells and ceremonies and vestments. Look at Luther and Calvin and the Puritans. They came out of it into the marvelous light of the gospel. You want food? Let's turn to Colossians chapter 2. Verse 16 and 17. Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. Or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon, celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. And verse 20 of Colossians. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world. Why ask though you still belong to it? Do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom 
with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. And St. Paul tells us in Romans 14 verse 17, the kingdom of God is not what? Food and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 8 says, Food cannot bring us to God. It is Jesus Christ who will bring us to God by forgiving of our sins. Or turn to Hebrews 9. Let me read from verse 8. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still standing. This is an illustration for the present time indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They are only a matter of food and drink and various external washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order. The new order has come. Jesus Christ has come. Reality has come. Life has come. Forgiveness has come. The blood of Jesus cleanses me from all my sins. Food can strengthen the body. But they are useless to strengthen the heart. We need grace, the writer says. The grace of God. Question is, where do you obtain grace? We are saved by grace. We need abounding grace. We need grace that is sufficient for our every need. We need grace that is greater than all our sins. And we don't get it in Judaism. Or in cults. Or in mindless evangelicalism. Or mindless charismatic movement. Mindless, sir. Fooling people. For this grace, we have to go out to Jesus Christ. Who was crucified on Calvary's cross. Judaism considered Jesus a blasphemer. They considered him unholy. So they put him to death outside the gate of the city. Yet the truth was, he was the Holy One. He came to his own, his own received him not. His own people were all unholy. They were like the Israelites in the wilderness because they worshipped the golden calf. The camp of Israel became unholy. And Israel became unholy. And God refused to meet with Moses inside the camp. Moses had to go outside the camp. And there God met with him. Exodus 33. Jesus was crucified outside the gate. Not because he was unholy. But because the people were unholy. Brothers and sisters. He and he alone is the holy one. And who makes us holy. The blood of sin offering sprinkled on the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies did not sanctify anyone. Blood of bulls and goats pointed to the sanctifying blood of the coming one, Jesus Christ. And he found himself outside, not because he is unholy, but because he was holy 
and they were unholy. So brothers and sisters, as true Christians, we go outside from Judaism and from everything else. Outside to Jesus the Holy One. So the writer says, we have an altar. And in chapter 8, one, 8 verse 1 says, we have a high priest. We have a high priest and we have an altar. Don't ever think that we are irreligious. We have an altar and we have a high priest. And we have sacrifices to offer to God. By which he is well pleased. We have an altar. And that is the sacrifice Jesus offered. Altar stands for sacrifice. He asked the high priest, as the Holy One offered himself in sacrifice to atone for our sins once for all. And his sacrifice is unrepeatable and yet effectual for all times to all who come to Jesus outside. Outside. He calls out and cries out, Come unto me, all ye sinners, and I will give you rest. Rest of forgiveness of your sins. Rest of justification. Rest of communion with God. Come unto me. I will give you a clean conscience. No structures, secular or religious of this world, can cleanse your conscience. Can forgive your sins. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 55. And listen to the call of Jesus Christ. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. And you who have no money, come by and eat. Come by wine and milk without money and without cost. Yes, sir, we have a high priest and we have an altar. And you think we have no food? We have food also, sir. Turn to John chapter 6. Let's discuss Let us discover our food. John 6, beginning with verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Sir, we have food, sir, that will satisfy our souls. That will strengthen our heart. We have food. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. Turn to verse 53. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food. And my blood is real drink. What do you mean? How can I eat the flesh and drink the blood of Jesus? Well, let me give you the answer. Turn to verse 35. Then Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. Notice, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. He's asking us, in other words, to eat and drink 
his flesh and his blood by believing in Jesus Christ, in his person and in his sacrifice for our sins. Come to Jesus and live. Come to Jesus and be strengthened by grace in your inner being. Turn to John chapter 1 verse 12. Here we read. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And John 3 and verse 36 And here we read, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. John chapter 5, verse 39 and 40. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Be in your grace, sir. To be strengthened in our inner being. And that grace comes. Through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. On the cross. So we read chapter 4 of Hebrews. And verse 16. Let us then approach the throne of grace. Hallelujah. Throne of grace. Not throne of judgment. Throne of grace. With confidence. And what is the purpose? So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. We have grace. Second Corinthians 9 8 tells us he gives us abundance of grace so that we can do everything God wants me to do. And St. Paul tells us my grace is sufficient for you. So Jesus spoke to him. I'm not going to heal your problem. Your disease, but I'll give you my grace, and that will be sufficient for you, sir. Grace is sufficient for us now and always to meet all challenges of our life and to meet finally death itself. Neither death nor life can separate us from the love of God. And St. Paul commits the elders of the church of Ephesus. To the word of his grace. No wonder these people were carried away. And blown away. Because they were not being rooted. In the word of God. Mindless evangelicals. Doing mindless things. On the Lord's day. Pretending to be worshipping God. And sacrificing to God. When they refused to preach. The gospel of Jesus Christ. St. Paul tells us in Titus 2.11, grace that brings salvation. St. Peter tells us, grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. James, the brother of the Lord, tells us he gives more grace. What we need is grace flowing from the cross of Christ. Hallelujah. More grace. Sufficient grace. Abundant grace. Hallelujah. So, brothers, let us go outside to Jesus. Jesus, the Holy One, Jesus, our atonement, Jesus, our high priest, Jesus, our source of all grace, Jesus, our holy altar, Jesus, our food, Jesus, our intercessor. Go out of shadow, that which is old and obsolete and passing away. Get out of that which is impotent to save.
the writer says, go to Jesus. Bearing proudly the shame of Christ. As Moses did. He considered the reproach of Christ greater riches than all the treasures of Egypt. The reproach of the cross and Christ is of greater worth than all the treasures of this world. Get out of the world. Get out of all cults. Get out of all churches that refuse to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. And go out to churches that preach the gospel of God's grace. What fellowship between light and darkness and life and death. Jesus tells us, deny yourself. Take up the cross and follow me. He hasn't come to make you rich and famous. He came to make you a son of glory. Fit to live in the world to come. Let's praise the Lord. (laughs) Get out of the city of destruction and follow Jesus to the city of God. Join Abraham, Moses, Peter and Paul, Stephen and James. Let us follow all the holy martyrs bearing the stigma of Christ proudly. We are marching to Zion. The heavenly one. Earthly Jerusalem cannot save us. There is no abiding city here, he tells us. There is no security here. The security here is just mirage. This world is Sodom about to be burned. Go out to Jesus. And he will take you to the abiding city, the unshakable kingdom of God. Seek earnestly the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Let me speak to you from what St. Paul is telling from his own life. How he got out and went outside to Jesus. Philippians 3 beginning with verse 4. If anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh... I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But listen, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider laws for the sake of Christ. You can have everything inside the city, but no Christ. You are a fool if you stay inside the structures of this world where there is no Christ. So Paul says, whatever was to my prophet, I now consider laws for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, that righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And he tells in Galatians 6 verse 14, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
through which the world has been crucified to me and I under the world. The Christian sacrifice. But our sacrifice is based on the Christian doctrine concerning Jesus Christ, our only Savior. You have been listening to Grace and Glory audio of the sermon entitled The Christian's Sacrifice. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.